In the name of Jesus, amen. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his child, his only begotten son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Dear Saints, earlier this week on Christmas Day, you heard how God became a child. And today you saw that holy child, what that holy child did for this child. You saw what Jesus did for Allison. Christ was born on this earth below so that Allison would be born from heaven above. Born into his kingdom, born into his family. God made Allison his own as he washed away all of her sin here in this font, as he remade her into his image, as he clothed her with the righteousness and purity and holiness of Christ. Today, God adopted Allison. In these waters, he became her dear father in heaven. Today, God redeemed her who was under the law. He freed her from the bondage of sin, and he made her free by his grace and his mercy. He changed her status from a slave to sin to a son of God, from an outsider of this world to an heir of eternal life. And everything God did for her here today, God has done for all of you who have been baptized into his name, for all of you who have put your faith in his dear son, Jesus. And as much as what God says is true, the devil doesn't want you to believe these words that God has spoken today. He wants to convince you that you aren't what God says you are. He wants to persuade you that baptism doesn't really do the things that God says it does. Namely, save you, forgive you, give you eternal life. He doesn't want you to have any of these things from God. He wants you to be afraid of God and to feel threatened by his law. As if it's looming over you. The devil will use all of his works and all of his ways to try and make you forget this day. The day of your baptism. And make you think it never happened. And even though you are indeed sons of God, the devil wants you to think that you're still the same old slaves that you used to be, but now just with a different master. So the way the devil does this is by enticing our sinful hearts to fall back into their slavish ways. He does this by tempting us to live under the law again after we've been redeemed in the gospel. He entices us to bind ourselves back to the cares of this world after we've been freed from them. He does this by making us think that our observing of the law either makes us or keeps us as a child of God. The devil does this by saying, look, well, yeah, you used to be mine. You used to belong to me. You had to do everything I said. But just because you belong to God now, don't think you're free or off the hook. It's no different. You still have all those commandments to follow. You still have to go to church. You still have a whole Bible full of things you have to learn and read and do. So you're still a slave, really, but, but God is just your new master. Right? And these are the thoughts of the evil one. We fall back in our slavish ways when we start to believe what the devil says about God. That he's some sort of slave master, an angry dictator above us. And the thing that causes you to view God in this way is when you forget about Jesus. That is, when you try to believe in God apart from Jesus, as if that's possible. When this awful idea creeps into your mind, it mars all of God's word for you. When you think of God in this way, then you see everything he says and does through this lens of fury and hate. So, when it comes to the Ten Commandments, 
Instead of, you don't see God's loving word to you, teaching you what, you, what will truly make you happy and what will fulfill you in this life. Rather, when you have this view of God, you see a list of 10 ways that God is trying to ruin your life and kill the joy you have. When it comes to the word of God, you don't see God's loving invitation to read how much he loves you, uh, to learn all that he's done for you, and to believe the great things he's promised for you. Rather, you only see another command from God that you have to read the Bible, because if you don't, then you're going to be punished. And when it comes to going to church, having your children baptized and receiving the Lord's Supper, you don't see God's loving gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation to you, the gifts that He so graciously gives you from the most profound depths of His fatherly love for you. Rather, when you see God as your slave master, then you only see the church and baptism and the Lord's Supper as some sort, of some sort of burden that you have to carry, some sort of penance you have to do, some boring and tedious thing that you have to get through to check off the list of your obligations to God. The truth is we oftentimes fall into this sort of thinking. We're so tempted to think of God in this way. It's because the law is written in our heart. So we're always quick to forget the gospel, and we're always quick to doubt it. When we think we have to earn God's love for us and work for his favor towards us, it turns church into a chore. It turns the Bible into a burden. It turns singing hymns into nothing more than a habit that we have. When the law looms over us with its threats ready to strike us like, light, like not lightning, we find ourselves begrudgingly doing what God says. And as time goes on, we find ourselves doing things because we're afraid of what will happen if we don't. We live in fear, constant fear of God. We do the things that God says only out of compulsion, because we must, because we have to obey or else we're going to suffer a punishment. We do what we're told so that we can get a reward. Even though Christ has saved us from the threats and punishments of the law, we oftentimes crawl back under the threats of this law again and we bind ourselves to it. But love out of fear is not true love. So long as we live in fear of his law, we cannot love him rightly. So now the reason we're so quick to fall into this way of thinking is because not too long ago, all of this used to be true. The law threatened us. The law weighed heavy on us and crushed our spirits, leading us to despair. The law scared us. It intimidated us, it terrorized us, and left us in anguish. But all of that has changed. Because when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. We're no longer slaves to sin, but sons of God, because Christ, the Son of God, willingly enslaved himself to our sin and the punishment that we deserve. Although Jesus didn't need to fulfill the law, he willingly chained him, his flesh and his spirit to the letter of the law, the law that we in all of our strength could not fulfill. And even though he perfectly obeyed the law of God in thought, word, deed, and desire, he then suffered the punishment for that law that we didn't keep. He did this so that we would be freed from the bondage and slavery of it. He came to free us from the threats of the law by enduring those threats on himself. When the nails of death bound his hands and his feet to that cross, that's when the shackles of sin fell off your wrists. 
When the thorns of his crown were pushed into his brow, that's when he pulled the fangs of the law out of your flesh. When he was forsaken on the cross alone by his father, that's when he won for you the right to be called sons of God and adopted by the father. Christ didn't suffer the consequences of the law out of compulsion or fear. He did it out of the greatest and most profound love for you and his dear love for his Father in heaven. Jesus endured everything he did on that cross with a clean heart, with a willing spirit, knowing that he would, through that, make you his own. He suffered gladly as a slave, as a servant, knowing that he would redeem you to make his Father your Father. So even though Christ took away the threats and punishments of the law, you have to understand he didn't take away the law itself. The law remains, and it always will. The law is good, and it's holy, and it's wise. The law only appears bad to those who are bad, to those who are left in their sin. But God has forgiven you through the wounds of Christ, and the law cannot threaten you, since there's no sin to punish. And since it's all been washed away in a flood of God's blood, so you don't live under the threats of the law in fear, but under the promise of the gospel that all who believe in him will have eternal life. The threats of the law are dead and lifeless to you and the tomb that Jesus left them in. So when God speaks his law to you, he speaks it to you with the great love that he has for you. And he has given your ears to hear it. So learn this well. God's word hasn't changed in the slightest. What's changed is you. He changed you from slaves to sons, from strangers to heirs of eternal life. God isn't your slave master. He is your dear father in heaven who hears your every plea. The law cannot threaten to punish you anymore because Christ absorbed the punishment we deserved. So in Christ and in Christ alone, the law cannot scare you or harm you. It can only do you good. As sons of God who put their faith in Jesus, you're free to do what God's law says without fear of its punishment. You fulfill the law freely, joyfully, not out of fear of retribution or hope for a reward. Your obedience to the law comes from the love you have from God loving you first. You hear God's word and keep it for the simple reason that it's God, your dear father, who said it. You know that he loves you more than anything in this world. You don't follow God's word in order to be redeemed. You follow God's word because you have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You don't obey the law of God in order to become a son. You obey the law because you already are and forever are a son of God. So when the devil entices you to be in misery and anguish under God's law, you point him to the manger and show him that Christ was born under the law to redeem you who are under the law. And when the devil tempts you to be afraid of all the good that you still lack and all the good you still owe to God, you point to the wounds of Christ and you show him that all of your debts were paid not with silver or with gold, but with his holy and precious blood. And when the devil tempts you to think that you're nothing but a slave in the house of God, remind him of your baptism where God himself adopted you to be his own and make you his son forever. So dear saints and dear Allison, the newest saint in Christ, when you're plagued by sin and guilt, when you're afraid of the wrath of God, and when you fear the punishment of the law, run to Christ and cling to him alone. 
In his wounds, you're safe from all wrath, all condemnation, all judgment, and all punishment. When you're tempted to think of the church and of God's word as a chore or burden or nuisance, remember your baptism and remember how much God has loved you. Remember how much he forgave you, how, much, how deep his love is for you, and how much he joyfully endured everything to make you his own. You're not a slave like you used to be. God has made you his son, an heir of eternal life. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.